This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 45th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's show, Gladys McCarthy and I continue our conversation with the First Lady of Safety Leadership, Rosa Antonia Carrero. Her book, The Relationship Factor in Safety Leadership, is a great reminder about the need to humanize safety and the core eight beliefs about human nature that are common to leaders who successfully communicate that safety is important whilst meeting business results. Using stories and business language, her book explains how to create and recover important stakeholder relationships by setting priorities and taking action based on these beliefs. Please sit back and enjoy as we continue the journey of the First Lady of Safety Leadership. They have, they want, they need to feel respected and valued. Uh, they don't, they're not getting that from anyone. Uh, if you, if you take a group of managers and you ask them, which I've done many times, please write down the two words you would most like to hear from your supervisor, your manager, and these are middle managers. And the words are, thank you. Good job. You're doing great. I mean, look, it's so sad, really, that they're, that we're not saying those things, that we're not giving people that, because we have some kind of, uh, we have a culture where people have to do it for themselves, right? If you need some kind of recognition, somehow you're, you're weaker, but it's inside of us and we do need it, and a leader recognizes that. All, all of the great leaders I've met make me feel great. They do. I very much agree with you. I think that uh, particularly middle, middle managers are often squeezed on all sides. Mm -hmm. They often have um, a lot that they have to negotiate and to manage. Um, and so as such, keep that rein very tight. Um, I agree with you. I think what we all like to be is acknowledged. We all like to be uh, thanked or acknowledged when we do good practice. Um, but when I think about many of the managers that I've worked alongside, they'll often say to me that health and safety feels that, like it's adversarial or they feel like it, it's confrontational. The workers are needing something. They, they're wanting something. It makes good sense at, in terms of how work is being done. But when that manager pushes that up the line, actually they, they hit resistance. And the, of course, the further we go from where work is being done, the more we move away from the expertise of how we're managing risk where work is done. And we start to move more and more towards where work is intended or is imagined, which of course is much glossier and prettier. And it, you know, it works so much easier than what it does as work is done. And I often feel it is those middle managers that are caught between those two places, particularly in a hierarchical organization. It's a tough, tough job. Uh, in fact, you reminded me, uh, one of the comments I made about the article was uh, 
that uh, one of the authors was was saying that um, the CEO, uh, you know, is is very far removed from the front line, and there's there's no way that they're going to be able to communicate with them. And I thought to myself, we should be discouraging CEOs from talking to the front line because they are so disconnected. And then today, so I think uh, CEOs can cause a lot more damage than uh, than they can fix because what CEOs in my mind should be doing is that they should be picking the people and developing the people under them to be listeners, to uh, to go out and speak with people, to support their people, to support the organization and development and growth of leaders. That's what I think the role of the CEO is, and leave and and then leave um, you know all as that goes down the line the development. Uh, of the supervisors then flows onto the development of, of employees. And to get to that point, that'll be interesting. Look, it will be. Um, some of the best CEOs I've ever dealt with, um, they, they, they hire people who aren't like them. They look to hire um, lots of diversity of thought mm-hmm. because they value different thinking. Yes. They don't want yes men or yes women. They want people that are going to provide that different thought for them to think about and, and be curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, ultimately, it sort of comes back to that sort of decision-making process or, or, or that position that person's yeah. in. And you know, one of the things that we find, with, particularly with learning teams, is that um, people get to see the power of diversity. They get this, and when we say diversity, we mean it in many ways. We mean it in terms of a person's knowledge, um, a person's beliefs, a person's experiences, and and how they perceive themselves as forming part of the system. So we see lots of those things, as well as cultural diversity and gender diversity. All those things all flow into one. Um, and for us, the the big successes is the fact that people begin to. Uh, understand that looking at life through a different lens is actually okay. That it's not that scary. That we don't have to agree with everything about people, but just having a different lens can help. Do you think it's because we, we fear losing our own identity? What's the, what's the fear then? Well, I suppose it's it's a um, look. That's a really interesting question because uh, I would have to say that if I was to ask myself that same question twenty years ago, I probably said it would have been a fear. Whereas actually now, I actually see it as an opportunity, and, and I just sort of wonder if it's because of where we become more comfortable in our own place and where we exist and where we sit. So, yeah, I don't know, is it, is it maturity? Is it, um, uh, you know, more willing to learn? I, I think from my point of view, you know, Glynis has had a huge impact on me in, in, in my professional career um, because she's very much put me into that learning uh, model, that learning mode, rather than that expert mode. And the world's full of friggin' experts. Exactly. <laughs> 
So <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like to tell people now that my job is to be a lifetime learner. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? I yeah. mean, that's the truth. And, and, and to share those experiences and to, and to share those stories, which is what we're trying to do with this podcast show, is, is not telling people right or wrong. It's about yeah. getting people to share their learnings. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it's so important to accept people um, and not be critical because just because somebody thinks differently or isn't uh, meeting up to my standards, um, that's not that is not grounds uh, to criticize or to ignore that person because everybody deserves the respect. And I have found, I had to learn this the hard way, of course, because when you're younger, you, you have a real need to be right all the time. And of course, that's when you're the most wrong. So that's the irony of it. But you have a need to, um, also because people won't listen to me because I'm younger, so I need to be more assertive, I need to be more aggressive, uh, and all of those things. Uh, but I had, I, as, as I got older and more mature, I think you're right. It, it is a matter of maturity to realize that uh, your self-worth comes from within yourself. And that listening to others, letting them say their piece and learning from them doesn't take anything away from you. In fact, it adds because so many times uh, I've learned something new that I didn't know before. Absolutely, and just, you know, I've learned so much today as well, because it's about looking at things in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. helps to build our understanding around that. And, and I remember um, you talked to me about the whole safety one, safety two. Um, poor Eric, he really regrets now using that word safety one, safety two, because that's not its intention. He, he was he was trying to create some focus at the time right, um, right. he wasn't trying to create um, that 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 gap um, between it and he was really talking about systems not people he wasn't talking about how safety people are thinking he was talking about yeah you know, the, the system component um, so so I think part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to help organizations and people bridge between those worlds because um, yeah well is it is it really two worlds or is it simply uh, you know how they, they have that uh, that cube that when you look at it from different perspectives mm -hmm. the switches it's the same cube it's just a different way of, of looking at it look at it, it is I mean the, the best way we talk about it and, and not that we're trying to simplify it but you got one side where you're wanting people to fit to the system You've got the other side where the, where the system wants to learn from people. One That's side, a nice simple way to look. Yeah. To, to well, look one side at. says that we, we fix things through corrective actions. The other side says we improve things through learning. Yeah, it's more fun that way for me. <laughs> but I'm not an engineer, so I don't know. Hey, but I, I don't know anyone who said, look, I enjoyed that corrective action so much, I can't wait for the next one. I'm just looking forward to that next one. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine. He <laughs> <laughs> fits that description. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's for a good reason. It's for a good reason. 
I've just spent the last um, couple of days um, in, a, in a manufacturing facility with a whole lot of uh, engineers around machinery safety. And uh, it was a nice minus six degrees. Um, you know, big machines that can take lots of limbs and do lots of things like that. Mm-hmm. And we started the conversation about people interfering with machinery and, and you know, uh, and disrupting the process. That at the end of the two days, the engineers said, our job is to understand the opportunities that people have when they do that job and to make sure that the system supports people to be successful rather than for it to actually um, go wrong. So it was. So there is hope, Rosa. So yes, yeah. let me talk to your friend, there is hope. Okay, <laughs> no, that is, that is so wonderful to hear. Uh, don't you just love it when people discover uh, yes. those but, but, insights? That makes it worthwhile. Correct, but we had to use, I used a, 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 a Glynis approach, which is to scaffold engineers. They like to scaffold from one level to the next. You've got to give them that linear sort of thing because that's what they drive yeah, by. Yeah, they need that uh, yeah. to, for, for security. Uh, well, because we, we do, we do need security to learn. We do. Correct. And that's what we call bridging. Mm-hmm. It's bridging between those two. So, so we're trying to move from current state to future state. We've got to bridge people in some way to do that. Speaking of that, your story about Eric reminded me of my story with um, Edgar Schein. <laughs> he keeps telling me, I regret the day that I came up with the term organizational culture because it has it is so misused and so misunderstood uh, and it unleashed a torrent of formulas, right? Yes. Manage and change culture, which was never never his intention never and then when safety culture came out he told me it doesn't exist for there's no such thing as safety culture uh, but of course i didn't listen to him because um, i thought oh but safety culture is such a great handle you know? yeah so it took me about 20 years to to finally realize there is no such thing as safety culture and, and i think that's the issue um mm-hmm. and, and this is where I, I use some of todd's language um, you know, things that are that are complex can't be simplified. Yes. So we, we try to create these constructs to um, you know create awareness and all the rest of it. The problem is that then leads to what we call weaponization, it being mm-hmm. taken and used for a whole different intended purpose. Um, and, and, and you know, we're seeing that in the work that we do. That that people use the the word learning team. It's not a learning team. They're, they're okay. taking a popular word and they're using it in a whole different way. How is that? Uh, well, it's, it's because it's popular. I mean, but how how are they using it? I mean, I, I don't know how you can corrupt learning teams. Please explain. Yeah, so, so, so like one of the things that we do is we, we, we make sure that we establish a set of core principles. Mm-hmm. So learning teams are dynamic by their nature. And we said there are a set of core principles. And um, the whole idea of a, of a learning team is that organizations can organically grow them and change them. But you always go back to what were the core principles? What's what's their intended purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, what this uh, organization was trying to do wasn't a learning team. It was a whole different 
um, vernacular. They were, they were trying to go down a whole different path, but using the language of a learning team. Well, it was actually a telling team, not a learning team. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and that, that's why I got Todd to uh, capture his first learning team as a podcast, so that we can take people back to the to the origin. The, the origin, yeah. The origin of it. Went yeah. back to the origin, and and we do have it. I mean, all the way back. Um, I don't know if you've ever read. I think it's called the History of Her- Her- uh, Heretics in OD. Okay. <laughs> it's, I have to uh, get it. Sounds great. It's a wonderful uh, history of the beginnings of OD all the way back, you know, to Trist and Emery, uh, and then all of the wonderful experiments and things that came to an un- to it were destroyed. Exactly what you're saying is like somebody grabbed the idea uh, and took it in a different direction, and then said, "Oh, that doesn't work," and just killed it. Yes. Because that's the difference between um, evolution versus revolution. <laughs> that when it doesn't fit their thing, then they blame the system. Yeah. Um, it's, it's no different. Um, you know, uh, uh, for some reason, there's bad names linked to root cause, for example. And that's not because of the principles of root cause, it's because how root cause has been used. That's true. It's like the whole thing with Heinrich, and I think yeah. Carsten Bush has done an excellent. Oh, I, I, I loved. I actually, I loved the the book. I mean, it was a yeah. it was a big read. Um, but yeah. An actual fact. Um, there is so much similarity between Heinrich's pyramid and Eric's circles of everyday learning. Mm. I know it doesn't sound right, mm. but but. Um, if we look at what Eric's saying, he's correct. I mean, we are more successful than we are unsuccessful. There are less incidents. Uh, sorry, there are there are less accidents than incidents. Okay, all that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as someone put a number on it, it suddenly became this ratio in this pyramid. Yeah, that wasn't the intention. The intention was to basically say, the more we can look outward the more similarity and frequency we can see. So if we can understand more about why things nearly went wrong, we've got a better chance of trying to stop them from going really wrong. And we're still struggling with that one. Yeah. In in spite of all the history and the information, I mean, look at Deming with quality. I mean, we've had so many people before us describe the way uh, but we keep coming back to the uh i guess it's the uh well the technical not not really the technical view but the uh what should we call it the commercial view that that the purpose of business is to make money and, and not to provide a place for people to find fulfillment or happiness or learning and and the, the leaders who do do that prosper very well absolutely Mm -hmm. and i think you know the other thing that we see um is that and we we keep sort of talking with individuals is that we should see things as opportunities 
that when I think of the lean world, um, when pe when people are telling us that everything's good, lean people see that as a threat. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Because in lean, what you're doing is you're looking at the red as the opportunity to learn. And anything in the green, you can't believe that it's running that well because that would actually go against continuous improvement. Because, you know, because Deming said that, that mm. you know, the systems are degrading constantly. Well, so, yeah. yeah. It's called so, entropy, right? Correct. Yeah. So, so, of course, that's where that saying sort of, you know, um, uh, embrace the red and fear the green is for that. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to share that with uh, my colleagues. Next week, I'm actually going to work with an organization that has just started Lean. Uh, and uh, they've had very bad luck with it for three, twice before when they tried to start it. Mm -hmm. But this new one is supposed to be new and different, but the really? employees don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> this is new and improved lean, guys. Don't, you know, don't think about what happened before. <laughs> we wonder why managers get so jaded. We wonder why when, you know, new things come through, they just think, ah, this is just going to last for a short period of time and why people don't necessarily buy into kind of these these new iterations that are brought into organizations. Um, it's no wonder that they feel jaded. <laughs> yes, well, we shall see what we shall see. I, I'm sure my wife will be enjoying version 2.1 of me at some point, <laughs> the, the new improved version. <laughs> Just cover, <laughs> uh, embrace the red. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think his wife would just be saying, um, "We should just go straight to decommission." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Glynis, because um, uh, in our last election, we we have now uh, voted and approved euthanasia. So um, my, oh, my well, daughter has already suggested that? that I should be the first batch. Um, as part of the experiment yeah well i don't agree i don't agree with that at all. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we would approve it it would give people a, a real sense of uh, autonomy and, and control over their life yeah choice absolute but yeah. look and, and you've seen it with COVID, with vaccinations i mean you know i think you summed it up history repeats itself yeah there's, there's nothing new uh, Rosa, look, this has been a wonderful experience today. Thank you so much. Um, I really hope that we can connect again with you to carry on hearing your journey. And um, uh, once the, the the madness of containment of COVID comes to an end, we're super excited about getting you to finally come down to New Zealand. You're um, happy to do yeah, that. You, you, we might let you drop into Australia on the way there or the way back. That's okay. But come down, spend some time with us and our community would be amazing. Um, that would be wonderful. Thank you for, for reaching out. I, I just love um, the way uh, New Zealand culture feels and thinks as well as, as the Australian. It's, um, it's so such a role model for the world and because you're you really, well, I know you have a lot fewer people than the US, but it just feels so inclusive and so caring and, and putting people first. So I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Oh, look, we, we have our moments, but um, <laughs> uh, we do try. Who doesn't? I mean, you know, you can't control some of the, the nuts that go out and do things, but 
But for the most part, the heart's in the right place and people have that kind of support where they can grow and, um, and develop into greatness. I love That's it. amazing. Thank you. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.